Matthew Carnegie, one of the pastors at East Point Bible Church, and I have the privilege of sharing with you this week on the Touch Points podcast. When we started this podcast, we hoped the reach of this medium would make it a useful resource for anybody, but we made it specifically to expand our ability to disciple the people in our own church body. Therefore, today, I'd like to address a topic that has been weighing on our church leadership lately, though I'm confident Christians everywhere wrestle with this. That is the suffering of God's people. Not only is this often brought up all around us at the deeper, more philosophical level, such as the cliche question about how a good God would allow suffering in the world, but we all experience it at a far more personal level. It often feels like every time we turn around, we know multiple people suffering from major health problems, grief over lost loved ones, financial problems, or broken relationships. And if we're honest, we struggle with those things at various times in our lives, too. What we need then, in order to keep our faith strong, plus in order to keep our witness to the world strong, that there is in fact a good God in charge of it all who is worth our love and trust, we all need a robust yet practical theology of suffering. That being said, because of the time constraints on a short-form podcast like this, plus because I want to focus on where we are at the heart level, I don't want to spend time systematically developing the theology of suffering just to try to please the naysayers who think suffering proves God doesn't exist. Anyone who says that needs only to look at the book of Job, for example, which I commend everyone to read to be encouraged that there is a divine reason for suffering, even if we can't see what it is at the time. A survey of scripture will reveal that there are many different reasons why God's people suffer, from correction for sin, to growth in Christ-likeness, to even just the simple fact that we are being reminded that we live in a sin-cursed world awaiting Christ to come and make all things right. Plus, there are several more that should all add up to reassure us that a good and sovereign God is using even our suffering to accomplish his purposes. That is a study every Christian needs to do at some point, and revisit often. But right now, I want to hone in on a few ground-level truths to which we all need to cling when we or those we love are in the middle of trying times. The first truth I want us to consider is that suffering is not just possible for Christians. We should expect it. Whether you're looking at the biblical descriptions of the curse of sin that affects everything and everyone on earth, or Jesus' promise in John 15 that the world will hate his followers because it hated him, or any number of other descriptions of God's people suffering in Scripture, we have to start with the realization that pain will come in this life, even to Christians. And while we can't pretend that pain isn't real, we can at the very least keep from being surprised by it. At my church, and for many other Christians who hear this, we have the very mixed blessing of living in America— where outward persecution of Christians is relatively minimal, and our nation's relative wealth makes life, even for the poorest of us, filled with far less suffering than the rest of the world, in all of human history. My fear is that whether we realize it or not, most of us are susceptible to a sense of entitlement that leads to shock and insult whenever any form of suffering occurs, and among Christians, there is often an anger at God that can result when he permits pain in our lives because we think he shouldn't have allowed it. We have to realize we are the anomaly and cannot expect life to always go smoothly. Church history is a never-ending saga of God's true servants suffering in this life because they found their hope in the next. As a matter of fact, most of the people one would identify as the most faithful Christians in history endured tremendous amounts of pain, 
Yet not only did their faith stay strong, it in fact grew because of the suffering they endured. This brings me to the second truth to which we cling when God brings suffering. Scripture makes clear that God not only allows suffering, but does in fact use it for our blessing. When real tragedy befalls us, sometimes our only hope is found in Paul's words in Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. All things here means just that. All things. There is nothing that happens to one of God's people that he does not somehow intend for his or her good. That may be a hard truth to accept, especially if you've experienced a truly awful tragedy in your life. But it's okay to acknowledge that we might not be able to see what that good is at the time. Sometimes we are blessed to be able to see that good in our lives sometime much later. To see how God grew and changed us, or to see how we use that event to bring about good circumstances in our lives we wouldn't have otherwise found. But even if we never know what that good is on this side of eternity, we can't let go of our trust that our God, whose ways are infinitely higher than our ways, has a purpose for our pain, whether we understand it or not. Peter's sermon in Acts 2 makes it clear that the greatest suffering in human history, that of Jesus Christ, was in fact fully intended by God. Yet we also know from Scripture that his suffering brought about both his exaltation and our salvation, the highest good we can begin to imagine. When our pain overwhelms us, remember that God does his best work under just those circumstances. Look at what Paul learned in 2 Corinthians 12. Starting in verse 7, he writes, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness." Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. (laughs) Despite whatever that painful circumstance was in Paul's life, no one knows for certain what it was. God was actually bringing about good with it. In this case, using it to keep Paul humble, and along the way he learned to embrace his suffering because he learned that God's power is perfected in our weakness, as in brought out to its fullest extent and put most on display. Finally then, I want to share how the Bible encourages us to respond to suffering. We've already discussed how important it is to remember God's sovereignty and goodness in the midst of pain. But as a result of that, our primary response has to be to turn to him in prayer. Frankly, it should be our first response in any circumstance, good or bad. But scripture is replete with examples of suffering saints coming to God, laying out their burdens, and trusting him to be faithful to his good character. While there are many examples of God granting people's requests, it is important to remember that he is equally loving and good when his answer is no. 
as in Paul's experience with the thorn in the flesh we just covered. God does work through prayer, and maybe he's waiting on our prayers to be the catalyst to his action in our lives. Better still, if we pray faithfully to him, yet he doesn't grant our request, then we can know for certain that we would be less blessed if he said yes, that this negative response is bringing about something better for us, even if we have no idea how that could be the case. As vital as our prayers are, there's one more facet of our response to suffering that I want us to consider, and that is the people around us. Besides the passage we already looked at, 2 Corinthians is a book of the Bible full of encouragement and insight into how to suffer well, including this praise from Paul's from the very beginning of the epistle. Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Even as Paul is praising God as his source of comfort, he's acknowledging that one of the reasons God has allowed him to suffer so much is so that he can be an encouragement to others who suffer. If you have suffered great tragedy in your life, Have you ever stopped to pray and look to see if God has put you in a position to use that pain to be his vessel of mercy and grace to someone else who needs it desperately? Maybe the grief is still too fresh, the pain is still too raw to branch out right after something happens. But once the dust is settled, we have to remember that God doesn't give us suffering just to carry around like a burden for the rest of our lives. He intends to use each of us to mutually take care of one another, and that includes comforting those who suffer by drawing on how God was there for us in our own suffering. Sometimes being used by God to comfort another who suffers may just be what gives us closure on our own suffering. Now, maybe you're concerned that this doesn't apply to you, whether because you don't think you've had much suffering in your life or because you don't think your suffering is very relatable to what others are going through. Let me encourage you once again with words from Paul, this time from Romans 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. God doesn't want his people to suffer alone. We are meant to be part of a body of believers coming alongside one another at all times, in all seasons of life but especially when times are most difficult. It is not the responsibility of the one suffering to go seek comfort, though that's not a bad idea. It is the responsibility of the rest of the church to go to those who are in pain, whether to pray with them, encourage them, or simply to weep with them so their pain is not alone. You don't need to have gone through whatever that person is dealing with, There is no qualification needed other than to be a faithful brother or sister in Christ, willing to bring comfort to a part of the body that is hurting. So as we wrap up, let me once again say that I know many are hurting right now for a variety of reasons, and it breaks my heart to see how much suffering still exists while the creation is groaning, waiting for Christ to come and make things right. While we wait on that glorious day, Let's prepare ourselves for the pain we are sure to experience. Remember God's good purposes in everything. Pray fervently to our loving Father above. 
and seek out where God is calling us to bring comfort to those who are hurting. I pray this has been edifying to you. May we suffer well until the return of our Lord.